folks, preseason for the NHL is only a few weeks away. And with that, you know, the Jets have quite a few decisions to make. And I tried to build a roster that I think might honestly be decent for the upcoming season. We've tried this exercise before. I didn't love it the last time. And I'm still not sure about the results this time, but based on some of the feedback that we've had from the team about which players they want to elevate, uh, maybe some changed roles post-captaincy and all of that good stuff, I've tried to reconfigure something that might actually look a little bit more like what we see with the Jets in this upcoming season. We'll talk about what this team can do on tonight's episode of Locked On, Winnipeg Jets. You're locked on the Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to today's episode of Locked On Winnipeg Jets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLLivingLocal and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. As always, thank you for making Locked On Jets your first listen of the day every day. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, Megaphone, Odyssey, and YouTube. Doing so is completely free of charge and ensures you never miss another episode. Now, obviously, tonight's episode is going to be dedicated mostly towards... Um, talking about this upcoming season's lineups and what I could see the Jets doing now that we've had some additional feedback from uh, the front office, the head coaching staff, and maybe some interesting uh, sights and sounds from uh, you know the, the, the training camp stuff and maybe even what we see with preseason, which will kick off this coming weekend um, against the Edmonton Oilers. But of course, before then, there was one major piece of news that I think is worth talking about. And that is Nathan McKinnon's contract extension. He has become one of the, or if not the second most, uh, I believe he actually is the most uh, the paid player right now in the NHL with a brand new contract of eight years. And he'll be making a um, hundred million total just about, which is crazy money. Um, obviously this cap hit is massive. It's, it's 12.6 million per season. And for, McKinnon, this is a big deal for the Avs. Obviously, this is a way for them to lock up their superstar player. Now, I, I think some people might say, well, you know, is there risk in this deal? Is this really the best use of your cap space? And I think that there is reasonable question about how long McKinnon can be this dominant. But the reality is, by the time McKinnon is towards the end of his um, prime years, right, the Avs at that point are probably no longer competitive. So, uh, if you're if you're really worried about it, then at least for the next several seasons, you've got a lot of cost certainty. You've got him and Makar locked up for the foreseeable future. You've got a number of pieces that you've built into the team with term, and you have a very clear competitive window. So, you know, for me, I, I don't mind this. I think it makes sense for where the abs are. And, you know, down the road, you know, as the cap continues to rise, we might see more and more, you know, large salary deals, especially for top end players like this, guys who have been for the longest time uh, criminal, criminally underpaid just because of the way the league does values uh, with the hard cap in place. So, yeah, an interesting, you know, contract situation here, something to watch for uh, free agents going forward, especially superstar players who, again, haven't really been paid like superstars for a long time. And if McKinnon is just 
the first in what could be uh, a new wave over the next several years. Well, I'm excited to see how the league structure uh, under the new financing might change and what it means for teams um, that, quite frankly, could use a little bit more cash investment, maybe some changes to how the salary cap works. All of that stuff would be a welcome change. But, I, you know, how this league is, for the most part, I don't suspect a lot's going to happen. Um, I think, if anything, we're just going to see the cap rise, more big money deals handed out, and that's probably ex- the extent of it. But, you know, congrats to McKinnon. Um, I, I wish, you know, that the Jets had a similar caliber of player that they could lock up. But, you know, right now we're kind of trying to figure out who on this team is even going to be the future captain. So Winnipeg has its own uh, fish to fry at this point. And speaking of frying fish, uh, obviously the Jets have a very serious question about their lineup. And I've tried to come up with something that I think is workable. Now, uh, we're going to start off with the bottom six because I think this is probably the easiest unit to deal with. Uh, Not because there aren't a lot of options, but because I don't really know that any of these options moves the needle here or there, regardless of how they're deployed. Um, For the third line, I've tried to go with Morgan Barron, Adam Lowry, and Blake Wheeler. I think that this line could be okay. Uh, It'll be an effective forechecking unit. You've got some decent distribution and passing skill with Wheeler out wide. Um, Barron has shown flashes of being maybe an NHL scorer. I don't know if it's going to be prolific, but it'll be decent enough, right? You're not looking for high-end production, but somebody who can keep up and maybe chip in a few points here and there. Um, And and you might be wondering, well, what about Jansen Harkins? And I I think for me, the thing with Harkins is that he tends to have a lot of the technique down, but unless he's playing with like Shifley or something, it doesn't often materialize into scoring. So Instead, I've I've put Harkins with Gustafson and Mason Appleton on the fourth line. I think as a fourth line, this is a really fun unit. Uh, you're bas- you've basically gotten a um, a past Manitoba Moose unit, which maybe this line can actually provide some real offensive spark. You've got Gustafson, who is a very smart player. Uh, Appleton, you know, he's a he's a solid transition defensive winger. Not really somebody that you're relying on for much more than modestly just keeping opponents in check and maybe uh, scoring a few nice goals. He had some moments where he thought maybe he'll be more like Andrew Kopp, but I think those moments moments have kind of passed him by. And instead, what you've got is just a solid complimentary winger. Same with Harkins, who, you know, obviously was a big scorer at the Moose level. With the Jets, it hasn't really translated into a lot, but, you know, as a fourth line forward, I don't really feel any particular way about it. Uh, I think he can do a job. And will that job be crazy good? Eh, probably not, but I think it'll be enough to where I can't really complain about it. Um, you know, the 13th forward here is going to be Dominic Toninato, who I think can cycle in in case of injury or if you need to rest somebody. Um, I guess the biggest question is, out of all of this grouping, will Wheeler accept the demotion to the third line? And I think that that is still a very unknown question, but one that we're going to find out very soon and maybe even see some early signs of once we hit preseason. But before we move on to the top six without Wheeler, uh, obviously, you know, th- this is a big change. And I think the top six could see some really good growth this upcoming season. But, you know, it requires a little bit more thought and explanation as to some of my lineup combinations and why I feel at least one of these players might be getting a surprise promotion. Before we go any further, though, I do want to shout out our friends and partners at betonline.net. Uh, those of you who are very much into, um, you know, professional football or college football, Obviously, you know that there are plenty of betting options out there, but there really should only be number one 
that is the source for all of your NCAA and NFL betting action. And that is betonline.net. They've got all the latest league developments, matchups, news, podcasts, and everything in between, as well as recaps from previous games and weeks, all the way from, you know, the opening weeks up until now. Um, they've got, you know, all of the sporting wagering information you need, including live betting, esports, and score updates. So you always make the most informed bets possible, and you'll have up-to-date information on the latest action around your favorite sports. But if football isn't your thing, they've also got MMA, MLB, NHL, boxing, golf, horse racing, and just about every single sport on the planet. I've even seen German football, so if you like soccer, you're in luck. They've also got you covered. Even if you don't like sports, they've also got Vegas Vegas casino games because they want to make everything. Uh, they want to be the number one source for all of your betting needs and have something for just about everyone. So head on over to betonline.net on your laptop or mobile device to get started right now with a free account because BetOnline is where the game starts. Hello, friends, and welcome back to this episode of Locked On Winnipeg Jets. Thank you for making Locked On Jets your first listen of the day every day. We are talking, of course, this evening about uh, the Jets lineups potentially heading into the upcoming season based on uh, updates from from camp and some of the stuff that management has said, as well as what Rick Bonus has indicated as a result of Blake Wheeler no longer being the captain. For me, I think this means we're in the first point where maybe Shifley and Wheeler aren't going to be playing together. And for me, that is exciting because it will finally put some guys in spaces that I think more aligned to their roles and what they can contribute at this level. So uh, with that in mind, we've already talked about the bottom six. Uh, I had Wheeler on the third line, which obviously makes the top six right side a little bit iffy, right? You might be wondering, well, who's going to take Wheeler's place? Well, on the first line, I've got Ehlers, Shifley, and Perfetti together. I think that this unit is basically self-explanatory. You've got transition ability, You've got natural scoring and great passing, and you have extremely good positioning and uh, surprising defensive ability when you factor in what Perfetti can do. Obviously, Ehlers and Shifley aren't exactly the most defensively stout guys out there. Uh, You know, the number of jokes made at Shifley's expense about him not back-checking. Yeah, you kind of get the idea, right? That's where I think Perfetti comes in, though. Cole is a very, very smart two-way forward, and oftentimes you find him trying to force turnovers. Um, shoring up spaces in between defenders and generally making life heck for any puck carriers who try to exit the zone. So I think in this respect, you can keep the offensive position possession further up the ice and that'll be, you know, to Shifley and Ehlers benefit as they have more time to expand the zone, more time to wear down opposing defenders and just kind of do what they do best, which is creating great offense and showing off some great goal scoring ability. Now that brings me to the second line, which This one's a little more controversial for me, and I feel like there is some argument that you can rearrange stuff uh, and move some players around. But as of right now, the unit that I've come across is Connor, Dubois, and Gagne. Now, Connor and Dubois, we know that they're fine enough as a combo right now. You know, we've seen them previously work well together, but that was partly because they had Yevgeny Zvechnikov doing really good defensive work, creating space by being really strong on the puck and uh, offering some defensive support where, you know, Dubois and Connor may not do so much. In this case, Gagne is more on the offensive side of things. He's going to be a more natural finisher. Uh, and look, I don't think it's ideal to have Gagne in your top six, but I also am looking at the options, and I feel like of the choices that I've, I've settled upon, 
I just feel Sam is the most natural shooting kind of, you know, impact player that you could use here because most of the other guys are more defensively oriented. And I don't think I want that in my top six. It'd be one thing if it's Perfetti who also brings a really great shooting and passing threat. But in this case, you know, most of the defensive forwards like uh, Appleton and, and Lowry and stuff, you're not really expecting them to be high end goal scorers. So Gagne, I think, is the best finisher of the of the like depth forwards. Um, and, and look, that isn't saying a lot, but I think given the options, he makes the most sense. And it, it kind of makes me feel not great about this top six, uh, but across the top nine, all three lines, I feel like there's at least a semblance of balance. It's not ideal. It's not the way that I would personally want this team to head into the season looking like, but, you know, given our choices and given the options, unless the Jets make a big trade, like say, yes, a Puyo RV, um, this is kind of what we've got. If the Jets are able to bring in Puyo RV, uh, obviously he's going to slide in somewhere in the, the first couple of lines. And I would imagine he could move Gagne further down the lineup, which uh, for the Jets could only be a positive thing because it gives you a little bit more stability. And Puyo Yarvi is such a great transition skater and creator in space that uh, while he's not himself like an elite finisher, I certainly could see him being a really positive influence on the Jets who often struggle to find space and create those good shooting and passing lanes. So yeah, I'm hoping that they have at least one or two more trades in store as it is this team is a little bit top heavy and, you know, despite me trying to balance stuff a little bit more effectively, it's it's still not where it needs to be. So, yeah, I've done my best with the forwards. But, of course, uh, there are even more questions about the defense. And I've, I've struggled with this a little bit because there are some guys who are definitely going to be frozen out. And, you know, I, I, I've seen, you know, the trade of Niels Lundqvist um, to the Dallas Stars, which actually fetched the Rangers a, a protected first round pick, which... Look, man, given the situation of Lundqvist not wanting to stick around and not wanting, to, not wanting to play for the Rangers, I feel like that's an amazing return, which now means the Jets have some options because Winnipeg has a very big log jam on the defense, especially on the left side. Given all that, I've assembled a defensive unit that I think might be able to carry us into next season, and we'll talk about which players are in this lineup as is and which guys might be on the chopping block once we head into the upcoming season and might be available at the trade, uh, either deadline or at the start of the season, heading into that point. Hello, friends, and welcome back to this episode of Locked On Winnipeg Jets. We uh, are, of course, talking about this upcoming season and you know lineup changes based on what uh, the coaching staff and front office have indicated you know, players who might be getting elevated roles and a chance to really earn spots. Now, we went through the forwards, and I kind of wanted to focus now on the defense because the defense is where the, the Jets might have to trade away, guys. And if you're looking to acquire a Yesapuyayarvi, this is a great time to do it because um, apparently the, the D trade market is very high, which for the Jets can only be positive. Uh, Niels Lundqvist fetching a protected first-round pick for the Rangers. Awesome return, and it means guys like Logan Stanley might have a lot of trade value, even if the on-ice results might look a little bit uh, suboptimal if you're Winnipeg. Now, before we talk about the trade candidates, obviously I've assembled a, a top six unit of defenders, and my first pairing, we're going to just go through it real quick. This is a very easy one. It's Morrissey DeMello. I really don't think this needs a lot of explanation. 
I've seen some people talking about trading DeMello, and I feel like that's just a huge mistake. DeMello is very uh, solid as a complimentary defender for Morrissey. It lets Josh kind of take it easy, um, focus more on his game, and that pairing has worked an absolute treat, really. DeMello um, is kind of the safety valve that Morrissey needs to expand his offensive tool sets and just really control the ice. So this pairing, I don't think there's any reason to mess with it. I think that they have a lot of natural chemistry. Their styles sort of balance off of each other well, and uh, there's a lot of on-ice evidence to suggest that their statistical impact is very positive when these two are working together. Uh, when you move them apart, you know things start to fall apart a bit because uh, not many players are going to be able to work with Morrissey in the way that DeMello can in being uh, a details-oriented defender. Now, the second pairing, uh, this is where we're going to start to see some, some youth slide in and maybe exchange defensive stability for more high-octane offense and transition. This pairing, we've got Heinle Schmidt, and we've seen this pairing last year, which it actually worked pretty well, uh, in part because, you know, Schmidt, look, I get it. He um, isn't overly popular right now because he's almost $6 million, and based on his last uh, season of play, you might be thinking uh, it was a mistake. Now, look, you can't really unring the bell, but what I will say is I think if you give Schmidt the right pairing partner like Heinola, you can see that really good transition game of his, that natural offensive instinct um, really start to kick in. And when they played together last year, obviously a super small sample size, but their shifts were pretty darn good. Again, you're not really looking for defensive stability in terms of you know blocking shot lanes um, and, and really blocking shots in general. Uh, or going for hits. You're mostly looking for really fast zone breakouts, uh, stretch passes up the ice, and really rapid skating in possession through the neutral zone, which I think both you know Vili and Nate can do in abundance. And I think this pairing has a, a natural synergy of skill sets that could be, you know, pretty decent for the Jets this year, especially since it sounds like the you know the Winnipeg really wants to make Heinola uh, a star feature of this season. So. I'm really hoping Billy kind of um, shines in preseason, earns a spot on the second pairing or something like that, and proves his value to the organization. Now, the final pairing is going to be controversial controversial for some. It is Sandberg Pionk. Uh, Neil, I'm, I'm not really sure how to work with him yet, but I don't think you want him in the first couple of pairings. Um, I think limiting uh, Neil's ice time early on, in this, on, early on in this season might be the way to kind of get him back up to speed, see what he's got in the tank, and, and figure out if last year was more like what we should really expect going forward, or maybe it was just a one-off, and the version that we saw in the North Division is you know more likely to be his, his true performance. I'll be honest, I think last year is actually probably uh, his real version of himself, but uh, I still expect something of a bounce back, and Sandberg has shown enough to be a really competent pairing partner, um, not not a pairing that I think is going to have great statistical results, but you know, given this is going to be a more uh, limited ice time grouping, maybe it'll be fine enough for where, for where you're not really complaining, uh, especially because Sandberg is on the cheaper side. So, yeah, I mean, it's a third pairing, right? You you kind of toss these guys out and sort of hope that they can basically tread water, and that's kind of the main thing. Unfortunately, Pionk is also making nearly six mil, so that's not really an ideal situation, but I think given the circumstances, uh, this is like the best that we can hope for and do. 
Now, this does mean that Brendan Dillon and Logan Stanley are um, basically on the outs. Normally, I would have Dillon in, but I think if you if you want to save money and move Dillon's cap hit, which is pretty significant, this is a good chance to help you know bring in a top nine forward who can really boost the scoring output and also give the Jets a little bit more forward depth because Winnipeg's you know front front six right now and the the two bottom lines, you're not really seeing um, a particularly deep unit. And so the Jets, quite frankly, need to trade one of these defenders, especially on the left side, and bring in some scoring help. I have kind of uh, opted away from Stanley for now just because um, he is much cheaper. And I think that that really does have an impact on, you know, who should stay and who should go. All that said, you know, I also could see a good argument of just trading them both um, and maybe looking at uh, maybe a player like Kovacevic or something being called up as your seventh defender. Uh, obviously, long term, we've got guys like Declan Chisholm waiting in the wings. So I, I don't really feel it's going to be too bad if one of one of or both of these players are traded. But uh, I do think Winnipeg likes to have at least one seventh defender on the roster. So that being the case, I would kind of assume it's going to be Stanley. He is their draft pick player. And Winnipeg kind of has the sunk cost thing going with him where they're going to keep giving him ice time and hoping that he can kind of uh, blossom into some sort of usable third pairing defender, even if the evidence suggests at the moment that's probably about as much as we can expect. So let me know what you think about these lineups. What what would you change? I'm sure a lot of you have many conflicting thoughts. Uh, let me know, uh, of course, in the YouTube comments below or at HLLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets on Twitter. For tonight's episode, though, that is going to be all the time that we have. Thank you for making Locked On Jets your first listen of the day every day. Be sure to make your second listen, Locked On NHL. Our experts give you a daily 30-minute podcast on all things NHL all year long. It's free to subscribe, so do so right now. And as always, thanks for listening. Have a great night, and go Jets go.